I grew up in a church a lot like this, and I recall uh, being taught, just don't talk too much about the Holy Spirit. It's good, you know, it's in the Bible and stuff, but if you talk too much about the Holy Spirit, uh, they might start thinking that maybe you're one of those, you know, charismatic holy roller types. You understand what I'm saying? So we kind of, you didn't talk about it too much. You, you talked a lot about Jesus the Son and God the Father was good. Just don't talk too much about the Holy Spirit. Um, after a while, and nobody ever actually said this, but I recall uh, recognizing after a while in the church that I grew up in and then later even in the Bible school that I attended that the Trinity was actually this. You ready? It was Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. And wherever it talked about Holy Spirit, you could kind of insert Holy Scriptures, and that kind of worked the same way. So again, uh, that's how I grew up. Again, wasn't angry at the Holy Spirit, wasn't mad. We were just warned, just don't get too involved with it, because that's for the other guys. Well, you know, they, they, they do it their way, and we do it our way. About 30 years ago, there was a traveling teen speaker named Dave Busby. And I happened to be the one who was in charge of the teen uh, for several churches uh, when we would get together for retreats. And uh, got to know Dave, got to spend time with Dave. And, and I'm just telling you, through the ministry of Dave Busby, the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's like a light came on in my soul. Um, at that time, Dave was the, one of the oldest living cystic fibrosis patients. He also had polio. He also had heart and liver issues. Uh, he was about 30 years old, maybe 5'4". I would be surprised if he weighed 110 pounds. Uh, by the way, Dave, about 20 years ago, got promoted, and now he's got this brand new body, and he's doing real well. He's with the Lord now. But he was probably the most powerful and profound speaker I'd ever heard. And teens and teen leaders responded by the dozens, by the hundreds. His teaching was direct and clear and strong, and here was his message. You can either live by the power of your own flesh, you can either live by the power of your thinking and your ideas and, and your energy, or you can choose to plug into the power of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't anything wild or weird or wacky, but without apology... He just made it obvious, this is the way to live the Christian life. If you want the power and the presence of Jesus, you're going to have to learn to plug into the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Lord used Dave to teach me, I'm not going to concede the greatest gift that you and I have ever been given to some other folks. <laughs> he used Dave to wake me up to the fact, no, no, this is a gift that all followers of Jesus have been given, and all of us have that privilege to enjoy and make use of the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and even 
And even if somebody calls you a name, even if somebody misunderstands, that's okay because the power to live and love like Jesus is not in me. Listen, Balcony, and it's not in you. It's only found in and through the Holy Spirit, which we get when we say yes to Jesus by faith. I'm telling you, we can't do it alone. We, we can't. And, and so for so long, I was trying to live out this thing called the Christian life in Jeff's energy, Jeff's thinking, Jeff's energy and power. And, and I'm pretty sure if I hadn't learned this, if the Lord hadn't used Dave to smack me upside the head, I don't think I ever would have said yes to being a pastor, a senior pastor. I, I don't think I ever would have come up here unless a few years earlier the Lord had started teaching me and I realized, you know what, you, I don't have to do it. Jesus in and through me can do it. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I would have said, no thanks, whatever a Walloon is, I, I'm not interested. Uh, I'm just going to stay here. Uh, but, but the Lord used his teaching, and, and that light bulb went going off in my mind. So, without apology, without fear that I might be misunderstood, we're spending 12 Sundays in a row talking about the awesome power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, why? Because, we looked at this last week, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, 120 people, ordinary, average people like you and like me, no different. They got the very same Holy Spirit, and they turned the Roman world upside down for Jesus Christ, 120 of them. And I don't know about you, but my prayer has been, uh, Lord, would you find 120 ordinary, common people here in the church at Walloon Lake, in the church at East Jordan, Lord, Lord, would you turn our world upside down? If 120 of us get this and start living this out, I, I think the possibilities are, are pretty amazing if we lived daily filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll use the King James word, okay? The Holy Spirit. Turn with me in your Bible. We're going to look uh, in John chapter 14. And uh, Jesus kind of introduces this subject and who's coming and why he's coming and why he's needed. Uh, John chapter 14, slide down to verse 15. We'll read down through verse 21. If you're able, would you stand with me? And uh, we're going to read out loud together where Jesus promises his powerful presence. It's coming. It's coming, guys. And it's really, really going to be for your good. Here we go, verse 15. Read with me. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands 
and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Let's pray. Lord, you know how weak and frail we are in our own power. (laughs) Matter of fact, you, you created us out of dust. So, Lord, standing before you are a bunch of dust bunnies, and we realize that without you and without your power, nothing that matters is going to happen. Nothing that stands the test of eternity will, will occur in and through us without you. So thank you that you knew we wouldn't do well on our own. Lord, you knew that we don't do well whenever we choose not to allow your spirit to take charge. Lord, uh, thank you for not leaving us like orphans. Lord, I'm praying that you might use uh, 12 weeks here in your church as we talk about the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Lord, I ask, first of all, that you'll help us to understand what's going on. Would you help us to get it, to understand exactly what uh, was written by the folks you inspired to write it down? And Lord, uh, then would you help us to go to the next step and start believing it. Lord, give us faith to believe what you say is true in your book. And Lord, that final step is probably the hardest. Would you help us to actually move beyond uh, understanding and believing? Would you move us, Lord, in these 12 weeks to the place where we're actually starting to put it into practice? Lord, I keep asking, would you uh, move 120 of us to the place where this becomes the passion of our life? Where the number one priority of our lives every day is to allow your spirit to take charge. So, I can't make that happen, Lord. I can only ask you, the king of the universe, would you move in on your church here and do a work? And uh, I pray, Lord, that even now we'll yield and we'll allow you to come and take charge in your church here today. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. John 14, 1 to 6, some of the most well-known and well-loved verses in all of the Bible. Uh, In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Why does he bring those comforting words? Because now it seems the disciples finally get it. They finally understand, hey, Jesus is going away. He's he's really going to die. He's not going to be with us anymore. Verses 1 to 6 says, but don't worry, I'm going to go ahead of you and prepare this marvelous place for you that you can come and be with me. So the bad news is Jesus is about to leave them. But then he says, but I got some really good news for you. Uh, He's saying here, 
up to this point, when I'm here on earth, I'm limited by my human body to being in one place at one time. So, so Jesus limited himself with his human body. But, but he says, verse 16, follow here, John 14, uh, after I'm gone, I'm going to send somebody else. I'm going to send someone named a paraclete, not a parakeet. That's what I used to think when I was a kid. Why did he send him a little bird in a cage? No, it was a paraclete and uh, several thoughts about that. It's an advocate. It's a helper. It's a comforter. It's a counselor. I'm sending someone to come alongside you. Now slide down to verse 17. He continues, and this advocate, this helper, this comforter, this counselor is going to help you and be with you. And the last part is maybe most important, verse 17, and he's going to be in you. So he's not just walking alongside. He's not just the helper. He's actually going to be with you and actually abide in you. The spirit of truth will reside inside of you, all who follow me. This helper, this advocate is not limited to one place at one time like I am. Tracking? Jesus is saying, I could only be in one place at one time with my human body, but in many ways, this, this new advocate, this new helper is better because he can be with you wherever you are all the time with each and every one of you. That, that's, that's an amazing promise here. And, and Jesus is encouraging them. Verse 18, uh, he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. Orphans are those who've lost their parents. Orphans in biblical times, it was bad. Because oftentimes, if there weren't family members uh, in the extended family who would take you, orphans sometimes starved to death and died. They had nobody to watch out for them. They had nobody to care for them. Sadly, that's even true in many places even today. No power, no influence, Nobody's taken care. Here's what Jesus says. I'm not going to leave you, verse 17, as orphans. I'm going to come to live with you and live in you. So, what does that mean? Wherever we go, wherever you go this next week, whatever situation you face, no matter what the circumstance, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not alone. God, the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has taken up residence in us. We're never alone. We're never on our own. And the first fact that we need to get on our hard drive and understand and comprehend, Jesus has gifted us with the presence and the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, I know for some of you that seems so basic, But some of us, we sort of know that, yeah, but I've never actually lived with that being a central deciding factor in how I live and how I think and how I speak. Until we get that tattooed on our souls, Jesus has gifted me with the presence and the power of God the Holy Spirit, and I'm never on my own. 
I'm never all alone because he's always with me until I understand that and believe it and start thinking it and speaking it. It won't change my life. It's just a theological fact. Turn with me in your Bible or on your phone, if you would. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Uh, I want to show you what, what kind of power has taken up residence in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Paul writing, church at Rome, here's what he says. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living where? In you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Why? Because of his spirit who lives in you, in me. Now just let that soak in a little bit. Because Paul is making a statement, a strong one. He's saying, um, the one who lives in you, church at Rome, church at Walloon Lake, uh, this isn't just some ordinary spirit. It's the spirit of Christ. It's the third person of the Trinity. Oh, by the way, look at verse 11. That's also the very same power that took the dead, lifeless body in the grave and literally, bodily, physically arose him from the dead. That's the same spirit that lives in you and lives in me if you are a follower of Jesus. So, what is the greatest demonstration of power in all of history? And some would say, well, that was a Category 5 hurricane that slammed into Galveston, Texas without warning September 8, 1900, killing 10,000 people. That was powerful. And others would say, no, it was Mount Vesuvius exploding and burying the city of Pompeii in 79 A.D., Others might say, no, I think the most powerful event in history was that tsunami, a hundred-foot wall of water slamming into Indonesia and 14 other countries, killing 250,000 people in 2004. Remember that? And I would say, those are powerful things. They really are. But the greatest demonstration of power in all of history, I would argue, was when Jesus Christ was dead in that tomb and early on Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus Christ to rise from the dead. Literally, bodily, physically arising from the dead. And he defeated what? Sin and Satan and death. And he did that for all of his followers throughout all of history. Track with me now. And where does that Holy Spirit abide and live in today? And the answer is, oh, so sad. Okay, I'm going to give you another run at that because you need this. This is the whole point of the message. Okay, because because where go back to Romans eight and verse eleven. Where does that Spirit live? Today, the one who defeated sin and Satan and death and arose from the dead, where does that Holy Spirit live today? He lives in us, in me. Don't, don't even use the us. Use the me, because you need to get it for me first. Okay, sometimes I believe it for you, but I don't believe it for... You, you look like you might have some power, but I don't feel very powerful. Whosoever believeth in Jesus should not perish, but have what? 
everlasting life. And oh, by the way, that life doesn't start when we get to heaven. That everlasting, eternal life starts the moment you say yes to Jesus. The same power that rose, raised Christ from the dead is living in you. It's living in me, Romans 8, verse 11. I need to get that. Lord, help me to believe that. Help me to start thinking it and speaking it. Because if I ever get that fully and believe this verse, it will change my life. It'll change my life. Here's the truth. Ready? Okay, this is going to be a little harsh. Most of us, most of the time, who know Jesus, we walk around wimpy and weak and defeated and, oh no, this world is so hard and they're not being nice to me and life's not fair and I'm just a doormat and a punching bag. <clears throat> Excuse me? <laughs> Excuse me? Look at Romans 8.11. I, I beg to differ with you. Uh, excuse me, but, but the power and the energy and the victory that, a, that enabled the dead Jesus to stand up and walk out of that tomb, that same power lives where? Come on, point where? Right here in, not us, me. Lives in me. <laughs> excuse me, Satan, but King Jesus lives here. I don't have to listen to your nonsense. I don't have to listen to your lies. I don't have to listen to your deception any longer because the king lives here and I know the king and he's defeated. You are a defeated foe. Here's what you need to understand. When Jesus rose from the dead, Satan lost and all of his demonic legions, they lost. And they know that. And excuse me, old sin nature. Uh, pardon me, but the power of Christ is alive in me. Get your puny lies, your deceptions. No thank you. Jesus Christ and his spirit lives in me. And I'm just telling you, as soon as that starts taking hold, everything changes. Everything changes. Here's how Jeremy Camp says it in his song. And Andy tells me we're going to start learning this next week. Isn't this good? Yeah, some of you know this song. Uh, put the words up there, right? Yeah, here we go. It's, I think he says, and I can't sing it just like Jeremy. He's got a very special style. But he kind of goes... The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. Know it? The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me, lives in me, lives in me. He lives in me. I, 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 maybe that's the song you need to get on your iTunes or your Spotify or, or your 8-track player, however you do it anymore, okay? Oh, dear Jesus, help me to get this engraved on my heart and my mind and my soul and my will. Help me believe and begin to grasp the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. <laughs> and maybe you just need to start writing it down and saying it out loud to yourself. Biblical fact has the potential to motivate us to start tapping in to that power on a daily basis. And that's a game changer. And that's a game changer. Okay? Um, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, would you please? Gospel of Luke. Uh, this summer we spent uh, 
many, many weeks, I think 12 weeks, on the subject of prayer. Luke chapter 11, we spent a couple Sundays on. Verse 1, this is how we started. Jesus, will you teach us to pray? Jesus, teach us to pray, verse 1. Uh, and Jesus does a quick review of the Lord's Prayer, Luke 11, verses 2 to 4. Uh, then he tells a story, Luke 11, 5 to 8, about a neighbor who gets unexpected guests in the middle of the night. Well, why didn't they just run to Taco Bell? Why didn't they run to uh, the 24-hour grocery store? No such thing, right? Didn't even have freezers. Uh, so you were pretty much stuck. You, you made your bread daily, you ate it, and the next day you'd make more. Well, they hadn't made tomorrow's bread yet. So in the middle of the night, they're stuck. We're, we don't have anything, and our guests are hungry. So he goes to the neighbor, and he starts pounding on the door, right? Uh, wake up, and the guy says, what are you doing? One room, most, most folks in that day, it was a one-room house. Everybody slept together. Uh, everybody slept close by to stay warm if it was cold. Uh, and, and the guy says, don't you know my kids are sleeping? <laughs> my wife is sleeping? Go away. And, and he probably whispers something like that to the guy. And the guy keeps pounding on the door. And it says, that guy's going to get up and get out of his bed and give you whatever little bit of food he has. Not because you're such a great neighbor. To make you go away, Right? I'm going to give you whatever I have. I'm going to wake up the whole family uh, just so you'll go away and quit pounding on the door. Jesus is saying that's how we should pray. That's what prayer should look like. Uh, verses uh, 9 and 10, he says, ask and seek and knock. Continuous and don't give up. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Uh, verses 11 and 12, he says, um, would a father give a snake or a scorpion to his little son or his little daughter? Normally, never. Never. Even, even, even evil, mean-spirited fathers know how to give good gifts to their children. Verse 13a. No one gives the bad gifts to their children. But here's what it says. Look at verse 13. Here's the one I want to camp on this morning. Because frankly, when I went through this in our prayer time, th this sort of went... Whoosh. It says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I remember thinking when I'm working through the prayer section... That's really strange. <laughs> Throw that out. Don't even talk about that. Just talk about don't quit praying. Okay? That's where my head was. Uh, but I'm just telling you, uh, this past week, this verse has begun to speak. Because I didn't catch it. And Jesus is saying, look at verse 13. The very best gift that you and I will ever receive is what? What's the best gift we've ever been given? The gift of the Holy Spirit. It we receive it at salvation. And yes, we should be persistent in prayer and not give up in the circumstances when they go south in our life. But look at verse 13. This is huge. But the most important matter that we must continually ask for in prayer is what? Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
the number one prayer that should continually, persistently be on our lips, Jesus, fill me, take charge of me with your Holy Spirit. In case you didn't know this, Luke is writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. And he's not saying you have to get saved again. Don't, don't, you don't have, no, he's saying the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is the best gift we've ever been given. And the most important thing for us to pray about and keep on praying about and knocking and seeking and asking about is what? Jesus, fill me with your spirit. <laughs> so, uh, should we ask Jesus to give us a new and a better job? Of course. Should we ask Jesus to bring our prodigals that we love back home to himself? What do you think? Is that okay to keep asking? Yes. Uh, can we ask the Lord and knock on Jesus' door to heal our loved one? Of course you can. But the most critical and highest and best request that we should never lose sight of, Lord, I'm going to keep asking you every day, several times a day, Lord, take charge of my life with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I, I need the power and the presence of your spirit. Otherwise, I'm not going to do well today. And, and we go and pound on the door of heaven just like that neighbor who got unexpected company. And oh, by the way, when you get unexpected company, what should you do? <laughs> oh, Lord, help. Because <laughs> I, I, I wasn't prepared and I wasn't planned. Uh, so even then, we, we can ask the Holy Spirit to take charge. Why? Because until the power of the Holy Spirit regularly fills and, and takes charge of our lives, we are in the flesh. And I just want you to know, some of you have nicer fleshes than others of us, but in the flesh, nothing happens that matters. If you are the nicest person here, you have the nicest outer exterior in your own power, nothing for eternity matters in any of our lives without the Holy Spirit and Jesus sitting on the throne. Do you understand? Nothing. It's all wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to get burned up. And here's the thought. And when we're living that way, people look at us and say, you're no different than me. And you know what? They're exactly right. When Christians are not plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't talk any differently than they do. Why? Because I'm walking around in my old flesh, and they're walking around in their own flesh, and we're talking to each other, and we sound exactly the same. We think the same. We do the same things. Do you ever wonder why we're not impacting our world? Is because we look and sound and behave no differently than they do. Why is that? Because I'm not plugged into the power source. I'm not plugged into Jesus. And when I'm walking around in Jeff's old nature, it's really ugly. Uh, right, Myron? You know, when, when, when we're in charge, it's, it's really, really not pretty. I, I look and sound just like the agnostic, just like the atheist, just like those who have no hope. So, here's the choice. You ready? Give me your eyes. We can just keep on going and pretending that we're nice, good, moral, average people, okay? And, and we'll just come to church most Sundays. We'll read our Bible occasionally. 
Uh, I'll pray once in a while. I'll serve out and help in a ministry when it's convenient and march through life in a mediocre, ordinary way. Yippee, right? Can I just say, I just described most followers of Jesus today. And we wonder, why, why is this Jesus stuff not better? <laughs> it really isn't all that great. And, and, and when you're living uh, most of the time in your own power, in your own strength, in your own flesh, that's what life's like. Now, we might add a little moral religious twist here and there, but pretty much we're just living average, mediocre lives. That's option one. Or, here's the other option. We can learn how to fuel daily the Holy Spirit inside of us. You understand? I, I need to actually start believing. I need to be making walking with Jesus and abiding with him and having the power of his Holy Spirit the number one priority of my life. Yeah, I've got to do other stuff, but this is number one. And then fasten your seatbelt, everybody, and buckle in. Because the fruit and the power are alive and evident. Anytime anybody says to me, this Christian life is kind of boring. Here's what I know immediately. You're not, you're not being filled with the Holy Spirit much. Because <laughs> if you think it's boring, then you're not plugging in and you're not filling your life with Jesus in spirit form. Because I promise you, once you start making this the priority of your life, watch out. Because <laughs> now Jesus is starting to live in you and through you, and you'll start making a difference. And that's not boring. That's life to the full. That's life that's rich and amazing and powerful. Um, we need to just start saying, Lord, uh, I'm empty. And I need to drink deeply every day from you. Okay? That's just an admittance. That's where I am. And then, and then it's, it's really, it's not like fancy. And then, Lord, I ha I, there's a willingness in me to come to you and drink deeply. And we'll keep talking more about the details. But I'm just telling, it, it, it starts with an attitude of the heart. Lord, Lord I'm, I'm thirsty. Lord, I'm hungry for you. And I want your spirit to start taking daily root and daily charge of my life. Let's just assume you're a graduate of Financial Peace University. How many of you would, would say, that's me? I've graduated. Nice. Nice. Okay. And, and I've learned uh, to uh, save. I don't just go and I don't just uh, buy a brand new car on credit, right? So I'm going to save and I'm going to save and I'm going to buy a good used car. Why? Because Dave says, I'm going to let somebody else drive it off the lot and take the four or $5,000 hit by just driving it off the lot. I'll let them take that hit, and instead, I'm going to buy a good used one. That's his uh, philosophy. So you, you've saved and you've saved, and now you've got the money, and you buy a brand new car that's been slightly used, right? And they hand you, what, what do they hand you when you finally buy it? They hand you the title and the, yep, okay. Paid cash for that car. I'm feeling pretty good because I got the keys. Uh, now, these keys are kind of nice because in my car, these keys will open the door and they will open the trunk. And most importantly, what's the best thing about keys? Anyone? 
What do they do? They start the car. They turn on the ignition. Because if you don't have the key, you can't turn on the ignition. Okay? So they make this car start, and they make the car go and drive you places. So you need to get the, car, the key in the ignition. And I tell you what, you had the most thoughtful dealership. With all the money you spent, they actually put 10 gallons in your tank. Wasn't that kind of them? Yeah. All the thousands you spent, and they put 10 gallons in. So you say, you know, this is pretty good. And you drive, and you drive, and I've got the keys, and I've got a new car, and you're driving, and then after you've driven for several hours, what's going to happen? Um, the engine starts to die and cough, and you look down, and the tank is on empty. And, and you're upset. You're turning the key, you're turning the key. Uh, the ignition isn't going. The engine will not, will not turn. Why will not the car go? What, what's the problem? You've got no gas. You've got no fuel. And I yell loudly, because this is my car. This is my car, and I bought it, and I've got the key. And you can yell real loud, and what will happen? <laughs> but I bought it. <laughs> And I've got the key. And you've got excuses. You know what? I, I didn't really have time to stop driving. It's too busy to take time to fill up with gas. Besides, I spent all my money on the car, and I, I don't have any money left, so I didn't have any money to put gas in. But here's the point. Give me your eyes. Until you deal with the fuel issue, you're going nowhere. You agree? At salvation, when we say yes by faith to the cross... In the empty tomb, we get the keys to the car. Track with me. If you're a follower of Jesus, and you said yes to the cross and the shed blood of Christ, and you've said yes by faith to the empty tomb, you get the key to the car. We get salvation. We get new life in Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in our new life in Christ. But what many of us don't realize, our new car comes with limited fuel. Okay? You, you got some gallons. You maybe got uh, 10 gallons. But if you just drive and drive and live and, and, and you don't think about the fuel, you're going to be in trouble. The fuel to live the Christian life that powers our lives is the Holy Spirit inside of us. Got that balcony? The fuel is the Holy Spirit in learning to allow the Spirit to recharge and refill our tanks. And until we learn how to access the power of the Spirit, we're stuck. And we're going nowhere. And therefore, here's what lots of Christians do. They sit in their car and, and they talk about the keys. <laughs> and they talk, isn't this a nice car? And boy, it's going to be great when we get to go be with Jesus, but we're stuck and we're going nowhere. Why? Because we never learned how to refuel. <laughs> and we never realized how critical it is to take the time to go get refilled daily with the power and the energy of the Holy Spirit. And when we're living that way, give me your eyes, we're missing the best part of being a follower of Jesus. Lots of people today 
are missing the very best part of knowing Jesus. And what is the best part? It's daily allowing his spirit to refuel us so in the power of Christ I can live and speak and make a difference in this world that Jesus has placed me in, placed you in. (laughs) That's the best part. I get to live for Christ, and he works in and through me. And the other option is we just sit around and admire our new car. Isn't this salvation great? And we talk about our keys. What do your keys look like? Isn't this great? Church, (laughs) we were meant for so much more. Friends, we we don't have to just sit and and be stuck and I go in nowhere. No, you were meant for life to the full. You were meant to live strong and powerfully for Jesus. Ready to start doing it Christ's way? Because these aren't my words. This is Christ's words. This is Christ's plan for you and for me. Ready to do it his way? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. need you to just do a little questioning of yourself, would you? Would you be willing to do that? Lord, how much power and energy and fruit of the Holy Spirit has been evident in my life this past week? Would you show me? Is the power and presence of Jesus and his spirit obvious to me? Is it obvious, Lord, to those that I live with? If we talked with them, would they see the spirit of Christ active and alive in his fruit? What about the people you go to school with? What about your spouse, your children, your parents, your best friend? What about the person who takes your order at the restaurant? What would they say about you? Speak, Lord. We're listening. 